What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access. A little over 24 hours since the Texans, unfortunately, took a loss out in Las Vegas against the Las Vegas Raiders. 38-20. Again, that was 20-17 Texans heading into the fourth quarter. But three Raiders touchdowns. And the Texans unable to answer in what for three quarters and some change was a wonderful heavyweight fight. Just knockout blows left and right. Uh, And unfortunately, it pretty much took the left turn when the fourth and one left side of the offensive line fall started. Had to punt for the first time all game right there with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Couldn't stop Josh Jacobs. Um, and there were other aspects of that game that were kind of hard to digest. We talked about it with Lovey Smith. You heard that show just prior to this one. So hopefully the Texans will bounce back and get it going in the right direction against the Tennessee Titans at home. The last two games against the Titans at home have been incredible football games. Just Texans on the wrong side of three-point losses both in 2020 and 2021. So hopefully this will be a three-point win or more against the Titans in Houston on Sunday, Halloween Eve, if you obviously celebrate. So we can look forward to that. All right, we're going to have John McClain a little later in the show, and we'll look at what happened in the NFL in week eight around the league. But right now, we kick it off with our good friend Andre Ware. We had a lot to talk about from this one on Sunday. Saw that the Astros are going to the World Series again. So wait, let's start there for a moment here, because I know you were once upon a wow. time drafted to play baseball, but you chose football. Why, by the way? Well, uh, football seemed to be the challenge. Uh, you know, you have everybody telling you that uh, you can't, you know, you're not going to play quarterback in college. You're not going to do this, that, and the other. And it just became more of a challenge. But baseball was always the first love. All right. So baseball, and I know your kid plays baseball. It's awesome. And congrats to the Astros. All right, let's start with Mills. We just heard that highlight. Uh, assess his performance. I know he had the pick at the end. He threw for 302. Uh, that throw to Moore the throw to Dorsett, and those shot-put kind of uh, push-pass throws that he made on the fly, that was something we really hadn't seen much of, him improvising in that way. Your thoughts on Davis yesterday? Yeah, I thought he showed uh, tremendous maturity yesterday in in terms of having full grasp of what was going on, knowing exactly where guys are on the field to get the ball out quickly and under duress. And there were a couple of blitzes where uh, the back was leaking out, and that was the safety valve. You've got hot routes pretty much built into just about everything. And if you get in trouble, you got to be able to get to them. Well, if uh, if you pick the blitz up late, and that's every it happens to every quarterback where you sense it late, you just got to know where to go with it. And I thought he handled those situations very well. Uh, went down right down the field. They had some flexibility yesterday where, where they were going to throw the football against the Raiders' second secondary and the offensive line held up and he certainly did his part yesterday Dre the offense best it's looked um other side of the ball yeah not so much so I'll ask you this more about what the Raiders had in Josh Jacobs Devontae Adams Derek Carr or the Texans defensively just not being there your thoughts about just what they were facing and how they responded yeah, we know Josh Jacobs is a uh, a heck of a back, and I think through the whole game, Mark and I painted the theme that uh, that he resembles or Damian Pierce resembles him. And I asked Mark during it if if you knew you were getting Josh Jacobs in the fourth round, would you do it? I mean, it's it's a no brainer. 
to do that. And I think that's the quality of back that they that the uh, the Texans have in Pierce. Uh, but I don't know. The it, it seems like it was a, a point where between the twenties uh, they would give up some yardage and then they get stingy down inside the red zone. That wasn't the case uh, yesterday, especially late in the game. Um, I don't know if it was more of the Raiders. I don't know if it was the lack of, of certain things on the defensive side, maybe a combination of both because they, they still aren't armed uh, without Waller. They're a totally different team when he's in the lineup with Foster Moreau at tight end uh, because they do so many things. They block differently. They didn't have to block a whole lot yesterday. Josh Jacobs just had his way to the tune of 143 yards. Now, he's done that the last two weeks on uh, on opponents averaging 144. So he was just about there again uh, yesterday in the last two weeks leading into the game against the Texans on yesterday. So they've got weapons. Devontae Adams, they went to him early, forgot about him for a while, and then certainly late when they had to have it, uh, they went back in his direction. So, you know, it was it was a, a bevy of a bunch of stuff that kind of cumulated in, in a 38-20 loss for the Texans yesterday. Yeah, and that was that was really tough because they pulled away late and it was a close game for a long time and we'll see how it goes. You got Tennessee coming up this Sunday, 305 kick Dre, and it's not like the Titans, they don't seem to be as good as they were last year uh when Henry was healthy last year, but they did plenty to win yesterday in a 19-10 victory over the Colts. And your thoughts on how you try to slow him down? I mean, they it's no secret what they want to do to the Houston Texans on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, they're going to run the football, and they've, they've got the blueprint that a lot of other teams uh, have had all season long, and that's we, we can't seem to stop the run or slow guys down. And you get a, the quality of backs like Jacobs and Henry, and then all of a sudden Sanders is coming on a short week, Miles Sanders from the, from the Eagles. That's the mm-hmm. recipe is run the football against the Texans. We know what he's capable of. We've seen it firsthand, and – they don't go away from him. I mean, they just keep beating you up with with whatever the size is of Derrick Henry all throughout the game. And sooner or later, you know he's going to break one because he breaks tackles. Uh, he's got he's shiftier than you think. And once he gets a full head of steam, forget about it. Now the way to stop him is penetration. You're going to have to sell out to be you know to stop the run and get him before he he gets the full head of steam because if he gets it. Forget about it. They're in the player on defense that is going to bring him down, and he'll figure out a way to either run over you, stiff arm you, or uh, or or make you miss, which is a rare combination for a back his size. Man, we have some Derrick Henry PTSD boys. I mean, I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last the last four times we faced him, I mean, we didn't face oh, him last goodness. year. Thankfully, uh, we didn't face him uh, in 2021, but we faced him in 2020 and 2019. So. Um, yep. Yeah, the, and those times he was rushing for 200. Speaking of, mm, I don't want to say Derrick Henry's aging, but he's not getting any younger. Aging superstar Tom Brady, Dre. This thing has gone completely sideways. They score three points against the Panthers. I know none of us watched every single play of that game, but just knowing the Bucks scored 12 against the Packers, they were outscored in a shootout against the Chiefs. They then turned around and lost uh, at Pittsburgh, scoring only 18. And they scored three against the vaunted 1985, I mean, uh, Carolina Panthers. (laughs) (laughs) Is Brady 
done? Very simply, is he done? I, is it over? No. Finally. No. No. Because it's been asked before, and he comes back with a 400-yard game and four touchdowns, and all yeah. of a sudden they start ripping off wins. And so, uh, you know, it's just they have they don't have a running game right now. And I don't know what the deal is with Fournette and whoever else they mm. have there. But uh, when you can't run the football and you're one-dimensional, he didn't throw a touchdown pass yesterday because – you know, he had so much pressure on him uh, from Carolina, who a lot of people thought were, were going to tank and f- to finish the year when they traded K- Christian McCaffrey. And there was another receiver a week ago, or uh, I guess about a week or so ago, that they took Robbie Anderson, that they yep. traded to, uh, to, yep. to Phoenix, to Arizona. So a lot of people thought that was it. They were mailing it in, but they showed a pulse certainly yesterday against against Tampa Bay. I don't think he's done. I think uh, he's still got some good football in him. It's just that when I told me this to Mark yesterday, when you elevate yourself as a leader above the team, guys will stop playing for you. And I thought he did that. It was a bad decision going to that wedding uh, during a, during a work week, preparing for a game, he played bad. Then he got on guys on the sideline and he wasn't there. So as long as you're on their level as a leader of a football team and they don't feel like you're elevating yourself, they will play their hearts out for you. But the minute you you distract and all of a sudden it's it's viewed by the locker room as elevated and then they're having to answer questions about your presence or their lack of, the, the lack thereof, then uh, guys get a little bit bitter and sour about that kind of stuff. It's it's a it's a a very gray area in which you you try to avoid as as a quarterback and as a leader of a team. Let's go to the other old guy, and not nearly as old, Aaron Rodgers, who throws for 194 yards yesterday as the Packers, speaking of not being able to run the football, can't do it either, Mm. or at least they couldn't against the Washington Commanders as they only muster 38 rushing yards in the game. And you know Matt LaFleur wants to run that rock, even though he has Aaron Rodgers. That's a big part of their success the last few years in the regular season. And what about Taylor Heineke, former Houston Texan Taylor Heineke, throwing for 201, two TDs and a pick in Washington's win? All he does is win, you know. They put him on the field. <laughs> it's hard hard to get the kid off the field, but he, he he's, he's buttoned up. He knows the offense. He gives himself a chance when he gets his opportunities. And when he gets them, he makes the most out of them. And I'm scratching my head at Green Bay's running game because a lot of teams in the league would take Jones and Dillon as their primary guys and their sharing time. But they would be starters on a lot of teams across the NFL. And not to be able to get that generated, it tells me the offensive line is not in sync. Aaron Rodgers throws for 194 yards or two touchdowns. That's low by his standards. So you, you just wonder what's going on up front. Forget about the rookies on the outside because they're going to get production and Rodgers is going to get that thing, whole, the passing game worked out. But it's the offensive line, when, to, to me, when, uh, when you can't run it the way Green Bay's used to running it. This question for both of you, but I want to get – because I think Mark and I talked about this on Radio Dre – I do this with Mark sometimes. I just just give me your gut reaction. When you saw the news, give me your gut reaction. Christian McCaffrey traded to the 49ers. What was your gut reaction with that move? Gut reaction that the 49ers are trying to win it. You know, they got close last year, and uh, they're trying to get back in a position to, to win it, and they're willing to to uh, to sacrifice some, some future pieces to, to do it right now. And... Um, 
it didn't work out yesterday at home against Kansas City, but uh, that doesn't mean that that trade's not going to pay dividends. I think he fits the, that system perfectly. I think he he showed some uh, some bright spots yesterday. I think he may have been there like a day or so, one practice, learned a couple of plays, and they put him in the game, and he's successful. So then they they know exactly what they're getting. He is a weapon, uh, both in the passing game and certainly running the football. You get him on the edges. You run screens with him. You run draw plays. He's electric, and you try to build matchups that uh, that certainly favor him. He is a matchup nightmare, though, because you can't cover him with with a linebacker, a defensive back. Uh, he'll he's powerful enough to to break away from that type of that type of player. So they they've gotten themselves a good one. It's the the only question is, can he stay healthy? It's a big question because. The guy that they drafted at quarterback last year, and they invested a lot to do that, he's not playing. If McCaffrey's not mm-hmm. playing as well, eventually, you have a lot of draft capital wrapped up in two guys who aren't playing. But I find it interesting that they're going not exactly all in, but they're going in. They're pushing some chips to the center of the table here with McCaffrey mm-hmm. with a quarterback that they didn't even want, but now they know they need. It's really interesting mm-hmm. stuff. There's so much drama. It's bizarre. It's fun to talk about. Yeah. I just think the, yeah, pa- it's, it's, I think the other side of it is the, the, I think the other side of it, Dre, is the Panthers coming out of there because of all the trades they made for Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, they gave away all their, their early round, second, third, fourth round picks. Well, they got them back. Now they had to give up Christian McCaffrey to do it. But they got him back, and then they went and beat the Buccaneers. Yeah, that's awesome for them. That's incredible for with, them. With Deontay Foreman going for over 100 yards, I think 118 to be was, exact, and then T.J. <laughs> Walker throwing for two touchdowns. And, you know, these are guys yeah. that uh, you, know, you wouldn't think that are winning games. Chuba Hubbard, who they, they like a lot there as their speed back and a, kind of a McCaffrey type. He had a decent game yesterday. So, you know, they've got pieces, and they obviously – uh, showed that their their professionals came to work yesterday and found a way to win. Yeah, I I just think it's fascinating stuff, and good for them being able to pull that off. That division for Carolina, I don't know. Look, they're way behind, but maybe not that far behind. Who knows what happens at the end? There's so I hate to be there's a lot of football left, guy, but there's a lot of football who's, left. Yeah, who's leading that division? I mean, Tampa's what three and three. Uh, Tampa's three and four. Three and four. Nobody's I'm sorry. Better, nobody's got a better record. Carolina's two, Carolina's two and five. I'm not sure what the Saints are. I try Saints to, are two and five. I try to avoid looking. Two and at the five. Standings. I and think then the what's Falcons Atlanta? Is Atlanta? The Falcons the may be leading that division. Buccaneers and Falcons three and four. Then the Panthers two and five. Saints two and five. It's a, it's up for grabs. Wow. It's anybody's division. Because the Bucks wow. beat the yeah. Falcons. That was the whole roughing the passer. Uh, yeah. Sitch, and which gave the Buccaneers a win in that I, one. I don't think you're going to be surprised about anybody other than maybe the Panthers winning the division. I think everybody else has a shot. <laughs> the Panthers win that division. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if Atlanta won it over the you long know, haul. You know, they've yeah, I know they've shown some signs though, which is interesting with Marcus Mariota. They're just way up and down. They, they it, it's interesting how teams take on the the mold of their head coach and of their quarterback, and that's what the Falcons do against the Forty ers Marcus Mariota was thirteen of fourteen for two hundred yards or something like that. He was incredible. And then yesterday against the Bengals, he was seven of nineteen. Dre, I want to ask you about college coaching because I just find it so interesting, and I don't know all the ins and outs, but I look at a guy like Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State, and they just beat the Longhorns this weekend, and you know he yeah. stays put there, and I know the expectations there aren't national championship. 
I don't know. I feel like if I was a college head coach, I wouldn't mind coaching for a school like that where I can recruit, I can make some hay, I can make some money, I guess, and I can possibly compete for a title if everything goes right. Because even with the big schools, you still need everything to go right when you're looking at things that way. You know, one or two losses and you're done for. I just find it interesting, you know, the old Richard Justice line, and he might have stole it from somewhere, coaches run from happiness. They try to get bigger jobs and often they slide back because it's so difficult. I'm looking at Jim at Texas A&M. Obviously, that's not going well. I think with Sarkeesian, it could work out at, at the 40 acres, but, you know, it's not exactly off to a great start right here. Your thoughts? Yeah, it doesn't hurt that uh, that Mike is at home. I mean, he, he did go to school there. He played there. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's home cooking for him. So he gets kind of the benefit of the doubt if there is a down year. But I mean, think back. Have they really had a down year? He's always in the thick of it in the, in the Big 12. It seems that way. Um, and his teams play hard. And now it's a trend where the schools like Ohio State are poaching coaches from him uh, each and every year. It seemed like it, at one point it was offense. The offensive coordinators were, were getting, you know, either head coaching jobs or opportunities at s- supposed bigger schools than Oklahoma State. And now he's having the, the same problem on the defensive side. What it tells me is that there is a system in place for success. And he's got the thing running uh, the way he wants now. They were a yard away from being in the playoff last year. And who knows what happens if they get in. But uh, Baylor spoiled it last year for them. Uh, you know, it's, they, they spoiled Texas's trip to, uh, to Stillwater this, this weekend. He, he's got a heck of a program. Like him or not, you know, <laughs> kind of uh, quirky or not, he is a damn good football coach that, that wins a, a lot of games. So when you have that, the lifestyle certainly fits him in Stillwater. He's got a ranch. He's got all these animals and, you know, things that, uh, that, he, that takes him away from football when he needs a break. And, uh, and he just loves the, the, uh, the place. So if, you, if the lifestyle fits you and you love it and it feels like home, why would you ever leave? And uh, I, I just know some coaches uh, b- abide by the, the, the theory of seven years and then they've got to move on. No matter what's going on, they're going to be at a place for seven years and then it's on to the next next job. Some of that is let me get them before they get me or, you know, I just I think it's time to move on. I've done all I needed to do at this program and let's let's go take on the next challenge. That's not Mike, though. The seven-year itch. He doesn't have it. That's an old movie, by the way. That's a dated oh, reference, yeah. Johnny. I made a Mike Jones oh. reference in relation to Mike the Jags getting sta- stopped at the goal line. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's too dated a football reference for some people. It's getting there. Mike Jones and Dyson at the go- I mean, Wait, come what? on. Watch this. What? Watch this. Hey, Dre, Friday night, how did you like watching EJ Warner, Kurt Warner's son? How did that make you feel? Oh, boy. Uh, EJ, he, he had some moments in that game, and he had some struggles, just like, you know, that that of what you would expect from a true freshman. But, you know, just calling a game that, you know, he got Kurt Warner's son in it, yeah. the Hall of Famer, and it, that that was uh, that was actually pretty cool. So you get to do, you know, in, in our seats, we get to do some uh, some pretty cool things, and and that was that was certainly one of them. He, he's a little bit thicker than I thought, and he uh, he anticipates well. The, he and his receivers got to work out some chemistry issues before they uh, they are a dominant passing game. But you can see there's some stuff there. Does Warner go like old school dad and say, listen, I had to go to play arena ball in Iowa and go to Europe to play ball in order to make it to the league? 
And then Trent. And I, I'm not so, sure where'd he go and where'd he go to college? Iowa something. Northern right? Iowa. Northern Iowa. Northern, Iowa. Northern Iowa. Here's yeah. the thing. I was on Saturday before I took off for, for Vegas, I was watching some college football, which by the way, college football starting at nine o'clock on the West Coast is kind of cool. Oh, that is good. I, I mean get out of bed, they're kicking the ball. It was amazing. Nice. It <laughs> I was watching Syracuse and Clemson. And Clemson's defense had Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yep. Syracuse's best player, arguably, is wide receiver is a sophomore. He's not draft eligible yet. His name is Aronde Gadsden II. No. Yes. And they were playing at the same time Ohio State was playing, who has a receiver by the name of Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, I'm glad all these dads are naming their kids their name, you know, so it makes it easy, like Asante Samuel, all these guys. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't have to think about it too much. (laughs) Although in the NBA, it wouldn't work with Isaiah Thomas. That didn't work, that one, because it wasn't Isaiah Thomas Jr. That's the situation. (laughs) Dre, what do you have this weekend? Uh, going up to BYU. BYU's hosting uh, mm. East Carolina, who took down UCF yesterday or Saturday in a major way. So uh, they're coming in on a riding a high, and BYU has has lost a few in a row now, and mm. uh, the the wind is out of out of their sails a little bit because you know they when they beat Baylor, I think Baylor was ranked number nine in the country, and then since then both teams have kind of gone the other way. So. Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll get a good game. Friday nights are always exciting. It just seems to be that way where you have that one magical year where just about every game has some some sizzle to it, and we've, we've been able to kind of capture that on Friday nights. Okay, looking forward to it. Looking forward to Sunday as well against the Tennessee Titans 305 kick. Dre, thanks a lot for joining us. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, definitely getting to that age where you're seeing juniors and thirds of players that you watched when either you were a young person or you were a young adult. Uh, Or in some cases, like Marvin Harrison Jr., you actually covered his dad uh, as we all did. So that's always kind of strange. But yeah, I was watching that Syracuse-Clemson game. I'm like, Aranda Gadsden, there's Jeremiah Trotter Jr. And those two guys can ball. Gadsden's going to be definitely somebody to Watch. And if I remember correctly, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. and Marvin Harrison Jr. went to the same high school. If I remember correctly in Philadelphia, I think. I think it was St. Joe's Prep, but don't quote me on that. Um, but, yeah, very good players coming up that are sons of former players. And it just, it, yeah, well, it makes, you, it makes you feel old and thinking about the good old days. But E.J. Warner is one of them, too, because you just remember Kurt Warner's story and how his family came to be. And if you saw the movie American Underdog, you saw that story come to fruition. So uh, pretty amazing stuff um, from Kurt Warner and his son EJ Warner. Pretty good player, too. He's got his uphill battle with Temple. They're not what Temple used to be when they had Son Reddick and some of the players then, but P.J. Walker. But they'll, they'll get back. They have the ability to get back being there in Philly. So um, <clears throat> EJ Warner, just one of the sons playing in college football that we all watched their dads for a very, very long time. Now, somebody that we have listened to and read for a very long time is John McClain, the general. He is next right here in Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Glad to be with you and joining us right now, the general John McClain. And the most consistent player, I think, on this roster right now has got to be Damian Pierce. So, General, what are your thoughts about the rookie running back? You predicted 1,000 yards. Your thoughts through six games. Pierce had 117 yards from scrimmage because he caught four passes for 25 yards. And, you know, it's got to kill the coaches and the players 
They go into the fourth quarter with the lead in every game this season. They've had a chance to win in the fourth quarter, but the run defense just kills them. I can't remember a game in which a team did what the Raiders did. Touchdown drives 82, 75, 76, and 81 yards on those four drives. Josh Jacobs had 13 carries, 119 yards. That's 9.2 a carry and three touchdowns. Derrick Henry's coming to town. He had 128 yards. Titans don't score much. They had one touchdown against the Colts on offense, and the Colts beat themselves with two Matt Ryan interceptions, one at pick six. But I would think that Lovey Smith, and he said it after the game, about the offense did play well. I don't know that pick six against Davis Mills. They were desperation mode. I thought in, in the third quarter, Pep Hamilton let Mills throw the ball down the field more than any time they had. The, the protection has been good. Laramie Tunsil's been playing great. They had a couple of bad penalties that hurt them in difficult situations. But thing is, they're, they've been in every game and had a chance to win every game in the fourth quarter. And I keep thinking, okay, they're either going to make plays to win that or they're, or they're not, or they're going to make enough bad plays not to be in that situation in the fourth quarter. But I think it both it speaks well of the players and the coaches, the fact that they are in that position. You know, they beat the Titans in Nashville last year, lost to them by three in that last game here in which Mills was great. And, the Titans, I think, were a better team last year because they had A.J. Brown. They had uh, Taylor Lewan at left tackle and Harold Landry. Uh, Mike Vrabel's doing another great job of coaching, overcoming the loss of those three key players. So this game's probably going to be close. And I would venture to say in the fourth quarter, the Texans will have a chance to win. Okay, so here's a trivia question for both of you. How many times did the Texans punt in the first three quarters? Zero. Ooh, zero. Wow. Well, they only didn't punted punt, once. Didn't punt until the fourth quarter. Punted once. Because missed field goal, made field goal, touchdowns. Mm. All right. End of half was one of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and then half. the first time was after the fourth and one where they had to delay a game. Then Camp Johnston punted, punted at that point. John, I'll ask you, you mentioned him a little bit. Davis Mills. I felt like that was the Davis Mills we were seeing at the end of last year that we thought, okay, if he builds and continues to build on that. Mark mentioned it. He made plays uh, off structure. He had that spin out where he found uh, Philip Dorsett oh, down the sideline. Nice. That I was really about nice. That one. He throws a touchdown pass to Dorsett. He throws anticipation when he got blitzed to Chris Moore for a touchdown. I know, like you said, the pick six is what it is. What are your overall thoughts about Davis and what you saw from him coming out of the bye week, and what do you think that can mean going forward? I'll tell you what's scary is Nico Collins because he had three Mm. catches and he looked good, and now he's got a hamstring injury. And how many guys come back the next game from a hamstring injury? It's like a concussion. You don't see guys with concussions come back in the next game. And and he had three catches for 33 yards. That first one was for 15 in the first down. So if they don't don't have him, it's going to hurt. And Philip Dorsett really stepped up. He had two catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Moore, of course, had the one touchdown. I want to see more of Jordan Akins. That's three games in a row in which he's made a big play. And um, and Mills, 
I don't know what it was, but they were just a different offense in the in the th- third quarter, and that's what you want to see all the time. He ended up, I think, with 302 yards. He was only sacked one time. I think the offensive line under George Warhop keeps getting better. I can't remember. I saw Titus go off, and then I saw Kenyon Green go out. That's another big deal. They need their guys to be healthy. They came back. Did they? That's good. And yep. so the offensive line has been really good. You know, George Warhop has been one of the best line coaches for quite a while. And uh, was it in when we interviewed him? They never forget it was up in the press box. Did he say he wanted them to average 4.5 yards of carry? Was that what he said? We look back, and that's what Jacksonville averaged last year. He was all about the average per carry. They averaged 4.7 in yesterday's game. Now, Pierce didn't get the ball nearly as much in the second half as he did in the first. And I'll tell you something that I think Davis Mills, he spread the ball around. You looked at our three, let's six, eight guys. He completed passes, too. I thought he looked really good. John McClain with us on Texans Monday. Okay, let's go around a little bit here because the Titans are next up, and they defeated the Colts yesterday. Titans lead the division at 4-2, and two, plus the Jags. Man, that would have been a sensational win for them. One more yard. I mean, that was like Mike Jones-worthy, that stop at the goal line to prevent the Jags from getting in as the Giants prevailed 23-17. Your thoughts on the division? The Titans are playing doing just well enough to win. They're playing good, good defense. Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw the ball a lot, and it's all based on the play action. Even though Derrick Henry's not running the ball the way he did before he was hurt last year that caused him to miss the last eight games, he's still, you know, he's coming off a 128-yard game, and he's, you know, how he runs against the Texans. We know how it, it was interesting. The Texans went into this game 30th in rush against the run, giving up 164.8 yards. They gave up 164. And mm. we know that the Texans are going to face a steady diet of Derrick Henry. And uh, Tannehill used to play action. This is the first time Texans haven't played to play against A.J. Brown. They'll get him in primetime, unfortunately, with the Eagles. But it's, a, to me, a different passing game without him in there. And you know how he's torched the Texans. So I think in, you look at this game with the Titans, they're in first place. And they're, I don't think they're as good as they were last year. I think everybody would agree to that. And then the Colts are not very good. I was reading about them and Matt Ryan. And, you know, he had a great game the week before. Jonathan Taylor came back. He was shut down by the Titans. And, uh and Jacksonville's lost, what, five five in a row? And so the, the, the division, not that it was any good last year. The Titans had best record in, and had a home field advantage, but I do not believe that the home field advantage will come from the AFC South this season. Speaking of the Jaguars, General, they lost yesterday. So I ask you this, how for real, for real, are the New York Giants the team the Texans will play after that Thursday night game against the Eagles? I don't know. Daniel Jones ran for over 100 yards. You, know, mm-hmm. you, you don't want your quarterback doing that, but he did. I think it was – I think I looked and it was like 111. Then Saquon Barkley had another good game. He was over – no, he was 107 for Daniel Jones and then 110 for Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. 236 yards rushing, 6.1 a carry. 
And Jones didn't have to throw much. 19 and 3202. He didn't have a turnover. And the Jaguars, you know, Trevor Lawrence threw 43 times, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And Travis Etienne had 114 yards. I think the Giants, I keep thinking that bubble is going to burst and uh, when they play better teams. But right now, you got to hand it to him, Brian Dable. He's going to be coach of the year. And not far behind Robert Sala, it's a good thing that the fans in New York have the Giants and the Jets <laughs> after the Astros just pulverized the Yankees. Uh, before we get to them, General, and by the way, I think when the Texans go to the Giants November 13th, I prescribe rest for Barkley. I think yeah, Saquon yeah, yeah. Barkley needs that. Sit out that. that game. Yeah, just sit out that game. You know, you don't want to hurt yourself. Anyway, General Tom Brady, I have to talk about it. Brady and Rodgers, it's fascinating stuff, really, to see what's happening. I know both are different situations each are but Brady and the Bucks losing to Carolina with PJ Walker and McCaffrey gone and Wilkes coaching that is sort of delicious drama here for people who want to see the end of Tom Brady's career your thoughts on what's going on PJ Walker quarterback of the Roughnecks for June Jones undefeated before the McMahon pulled the plug on the season and he outplayed Brady. He was 16 to 22, 177 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a rating of 126.5. It looks like Mayfield and Darnell are healthy. He's still going to be the quarterback. And guess who replaced Christian McCaffrey? Ran for 118 yards, including a 60 yard run. Dante Foreman. Yeah, yeah. He emerged out of nowhere. Brady was just, he threw 49 times, but man, he just, doesn't look the same. You know, he's got all that wear and tear on him. You keep reading that he's going through the an ugly divorce and that Giselle got the top divorce attorney in Florida. And, and, and they're saying it's all because he came back. I believe him coming out of retirement, if you're looking for the top divorce attorney in Florida, it's going to get ugly. And it's got to be more than that. And right now he looks like he's got one foot out the door because you know it's got to be killing him. He's not used to playing like this. Mike Evans dropped a pass, would have been a touchdown, wide open. They're just not the same team. Who is the best team in the NFC South right now? Alabama. Oh, actually, it would be Tennessee. (laughs) You know what? You might be right. They might be able to beat any team in the NFC South. It is a terrible division. You know, all the talk we had all over – over the years, with Brady earning less or taking less from the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, I always complained about this because I thought there was something weird about it, something iffy about it. And here he is. And everyone always said, well, Giselle makes so much money, so much more money. Right. So what does it matter? Because they're going to pool the money. Well, good luck with that with the uh, divorce attorneys. Mm, that's not happening. I kind of, yeah. I, I, Those divorce attorneys are going to make a lot of money. Yeah, they really are. They really are. They always make out. All right, General, Astros, Phillies, your thoughts. Does Philadelphia get a game on them? Oh, I think they will. Philadelphia's hitting like crazy. Got great power hitting. They got a good bullpen. Their starters are not as good as the Astros, and they're hot. They kind of remind me of Atlanta last year. And and Thompson's done a great job since he took over for Girardi. I'm writing a column for Gallery Sports on – 1980, I watched every game of that series. Oh. 
And the series was five games back then. The last four went to extra innings. And I was covering the Oilers and Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium, in which a rookie named Joe Delaney ran for 180 yards to beat the Oilers. And after the game, Del Robertson, who was covering for the post, the PR guy kept the lounge open behind the press box so he knew we wanted to watch the rest of the Astros. And we went back there, eighth inning. They're up three, Nolan Ryan on the mound. We knew the Astros were going to their first World Series, but they didn't. And looking at the roster last night, all the stars, five managers came from that game, but all the star players on both sides of the ball, Mike Schmidt, Pete Pete Rose, Steve Carlton, Astros had so much talent built around Nolan Ryan, and it was a fun series. And people won't, most people don't remember that because they're younger. But I'm going to write about it because it was monumental in my life as a sports fan, especially as an Astros fan here, Houstonians who do remember that series. It was incredible at the time. And I hope it is not that breathtaking, uh, fingernail chewing uh, this time as it was last time. Boy, that when it is was the, bringing it back. When the it was Phillies, the NLCS. Yeah, Phillies and Astros back then, and that was that belongs on a list of Houston heartbreaks. It's not top three, but it's definitely on there someplace, and it's hard to believe the Astros. It took them until 2004 to win a playoff series, and look at them now. All right, General, thanks a lot for the time. We appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you soon. Guys, thank you very much as always. No, General, thank you. Coming up next, we'll go around the NFL. Look what happened in every game in Week 8 next, right here on Texas All Access. We want to follow a segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. It's time to go around the NFL. But before we do that, I know we have got some massive fans out there. But our biggest fan, our friends over at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, Daikin. These guys are doing massive things in Houston, and you guys need to be fully aware of what they're doing. i got to give props to them. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors. As they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, loveshouston.com. That's Daikin, loveshouston.com. All right, let's go around the NFL. Let's hit these scores. Let's get some music rolling. And time to rock. Let's start here. We know what happened Thursday night. Cardinals beat the Saints, so we can talk about that on Friday, so we don't have to start there. In Cincinnati, Joe Burrow went off. I've seen people tweet about the game the Bengals played yesterday. Is this the best game Joe Burrow has ever played? 34-42, 481, and three touchdowns. Tyler Boyd, eight receptions, 155 yards, and a tutty as the Bengals go to four and three and step up, tied atop the AFC North with Baltimore, and the Falcons fall to three and four, 35-17. The Cowboys, who we will see in December, defense got all over the Lions. Too many errors by the Lions, although they had a 3-0 lead, had a 6-3 lead, and then it was... 21 unanswered points. Ezekiel Elliott scored not once, but twice. He also got a touchdown from Dak Prescott as the Cowboys win 24-6. Dallas moves to 5-2. Man, a division we thought the NFC East was going to be eh, like it was last year. Not the case. In the AFC South, the Titans 
The Tennessee Titans came up with a win, 19-10. Yes, the Titans are banged up. Doesn't matter. They find a way to win. Colts scored on a touchdown pass from Paris Campbell to cut the lead from 13 up to 13-7, but they could get no further as Randy Bullock knocked home two more fuels, made it 19-10. Derrick Henry, shocker, 30 carries, 128 yards. He is getting back on track. Tennessee leads the division at 4-2. Indianapolis at 3-3-1. The Commanders with former Texan Taylor Heineke at quarterback. They put it on the Packers yesterday. My goodness. The Packers had a 14-3 lead after a Devondre Campbell pick six. And then it was 20-7 the rest of the way as the Washington Commanders beat the Packers 23-21. The Commanders go to 3-4. The Packers fall to 3-4. The Packers are a mess. And good for Taylor Heineke. Always want to see that guy doing well, and he has. Panthers hammered the Buccaneers. P.J. Walker didn't have to do a bunch, but he did throw two touchdowns, and Deontay Foreman ran for 118 yards. The Panthers moved to 2-5, just a game behind the 3-4 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Think about that. One game separates them. The Giants held off a late rally from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian Kirk caught a pass at the one-yard line and was kept out of the end zone. Trevor Lawrence threw for 310, but Daniel Jones continues to run things well in New Jersey for the Giants. 202 yards passing a touchdown. Saquon Barkley ran for 110. Darius Slayton had a big ball catch, 32 yards, touchdown. To give the G-Men their sixth win of the year, the Giants are 6-1. Wow. The Browns lost. Yay. Ravens beat them 23-20. A penalty on the Browns on a potential game-time field goal. Pushing back five yards. Cade York missed that kick. And the Ravens win 23-20. The Browns fall to 2-5, and five, and that's a very important, very important thing. Continue to lose. The Jets went to the Broncos and got a dub out in Denver. No Russell Wilson in this one. 16-9. Brees Hall had a 62-yard touchdown run, but then tore his ACL. He is out for the season. God, I hate that. The Seahawks jumped all over the Chargers. I mean, all over them. The win for Seattle, the loss for the Chargers, puts both teams at 4-3, and three, and the Seattle Seahawks, are tough. Chiefs, they win 44-23, even though Christian McCaffrey gets in a game for the 49ers. Patrick Mahomes not stop. Chiefs 5-2, the 49ers 3-4. And, and on Sunday night, Dolphins beat the Steelers 16-10. And that is your show. Appreciate Mark, Andre, and John McClain for being on the show. Appreciate you listening. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.